Welcome to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. This week, Pastor Ben Pitney starts part two, Dream On, in our series out of the book of Matthew. For this fifth message titled, Tell It in the Light, turn to Matthew chapter 10, verses 24 through 31. At Vail Christian Church, we believe in training followers of Christ to worship, gather, give, and serve. I grew up with uh, classic rock. I really love it, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to do this. Though one of the things that you, you know you start realizing too is like when you when you take a look at a song like this and and use it. I I just want I like the dream on part because I think we're all dreaming that things are going to go back to the way they were, and uh, it's not. But when you analyze the words of this song, you start going, "This doesn't make any sense," right? I mean, I, I grew up listening to this song. I still don't know what he's trying to communicate. There is a part where he's, you know, a verse where he starts saying, hey, I get up in the morning, look in the mirror, and I notice all these wrinkles, and then, you know, and he starts evaluating his life, and I'm like, yeah, okay. And, and, uh, and then after that, I'm like, I don't know, what, what are you trying to say? So I, I, don't, I have no idea that uh, it's poetic confusion, um, but it, may, it sounds good. Right? What was the what was the last one that we did? Um, that one was really good too. Sweet emotion. Yeah. Oh man, isn't our, we're still on the roller coaster ride of emotions, right? Each and every day, it never goes like I want it to. It hardly ever does. And uh, but this is the world that we live in, and that we're not going back. Remove from your um, language. When things get back to normal, because they're not going back that way, we need to move forward. It's just the, what, what um, God has uh, going on, and there are things He wants us to be, and things He uh, and people He wants us uh, to be, things He wants us to do, right? So as we journey through the book of Matthew, these folks um, that Jesus is interacting with, that Matthew records these stories, this journey with Jesus. I think they're facing some of the same kinds of things that we're facing. And Jesus gives instructions and commands, and he, he virtually starts a revolution, turns things upside down, aggravates people like crazy because uh, of the change that is so hard for people to go through. In particular, the, the lawyers of the law, the experts in the law, the traditional establishment of church leadership, those people are like, you can't change all this around. What are you doing? In particular, you can't say that you're God, you know, and they want to remove him and get rid of him and kill him. So the, the first uh, four messages in uh, part one, we, we talked through some of the commands about loving your enemies and your neighbors and the things that Jesus straightens out those things, right? You've heard, but let me tell you how it really is, right? So Jesus does some more of this in chapter 10. So take out your Bible, turn to chapter 10 of Matthew, and uh, we're going to start today in verse 24. And, uh, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to be preachy today. It's not my goal. I know I can get going there a little bit sometimes. I don't want to do that. I want, to, I want to draw the truth out of the text. Let's draw the truth out of the text. Who cares what I think? Let's find the truth here and then... Uh, when we um, are faced with the truth, then let's ask this question, how does this apply to me? I think that's my role, but today I'm really praying that I would motivate you, that I would challenge you, that 
Uh, I would inspire you. I think that's what my role is. In particular, regarding bravery, because I think that's what Jesus does here. That's the truth that we're going to see, that we're going to face. Jesus wants us to be brave and live out the truth. And in particular, you cannot live out the truth unless you understand it or know it in God's Word. So it's the truth of God's Word. So, you know, put on your uh, balance uh, today that, that we, we have to be balanced because we all have views and opinions, uh, in, in particular political ones, and the environment, like I said, is kind of charged right now. But my prayer still is that God would give you backbone today, that he would give you a real spine, a determination to overcome every fear of speaking the truth of the Scripture the scripture, and that you would have a boldness to speak it openly, clearly when it is unpopular and even dangerous. I think what our culture needs is Christ followers to explain Jesus and to speak the truth. People are struggling. People are searching. I just had someone uh, recently just say, hey, listen, you know, I started talking to people about Jesus and they said, I'd like to know more. Can we do a Bible study (laughs) on our lunch hour? How cool is that? People are hungry People uh, are, are confused. People want some answers. People are searching and seeking. And Christ followers in the church, we need to be folks that, that have the answers, and the answers are in the truth. Okay, right here in God's Word in the Scripture. So let's talk about why you can be brave first. And um, before we do that, let's read um, chapter 10, start in verse 24. Let's read it together, and then, like I said, we'll parse it out, we'll draw the truth out of the text. It says in verse 24, a disciple is not greater than his teacher, nor a slave greater than his master. It's enough for the disciple to become like his teacher and the slave like his master. If they've called the head of the household uh, Beelzebul, some of your verses might say Beelzebub, it's accurate. How much more will they defame the members of his household, so Beelzebub, is the devil. Verse 26, do not be afraid. This is a command right here. Do not be afraid of them, for nothing is hidden that will not be revealed, and nothing is secret that will not be made known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Instead, fear the one who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. Even all the hairs on your head are numbered. So do not be afraid. You're more valuable than many sparrows. So there's a lot going on in this passage, but why can you be brave? I mean, that's what I said. I think that's the red dot in the middle of the target today. There are at least two confidences that as you draw the truth out of the text that I can give you today. One, I want to give you, I want to go to um, where Paul is teaching and passing on things to his protege or his apprentice, Timothy. Paul's replacing himself at one point in the New Testament because he's getting older. He knows he's not going to be here all that much longer. 
And Timothy's his guy that, he's, that he wants to take over. So he says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in verse 3, he says to Timothy, he says, Hey, there will be a time when people will not tolerate sound teaching. <laughs> wow. Well, I, yeah. He said, instead, following their own desires, they'll accumulate teachers for themselves because they have an insatiable curiosity to hear new things. And they will turn away from hearing the truth. Truth. So in other words, Paul says to his guy, it is likely that you're going to have to say some unpopular things that are not going to be received very well. I want you to know this in advance so that you're not shaken when the truth you preach is rejected. I need you to fall through this, Timothy, and I need you to be brave. It'll take bravery to press on in the face of that opposition. So be courageous. Take your share of suffering for the truth. And then when you look throughout that letter, in particular 2 Timothy, I mean, he just says this kind of stuff over and over to Timothy, giving him confidence, saying, you need to be ready for this. And this, so I, I think this is a relevant message and confidence that we've got to have as well. In the culture that we live in, we, if, if you've read the end of the book, it doesn't get better before Jesus returns. Okay, so we need to be confident and we need to expect some things to emerge. And we've already seen some craziness. Here's the other confidence I want to give you today. Because subjectivism and relativism, I think, permeates our culture and threatens to destroy churches, schools, businesses, families, young people, movements. Subjectivism and relativism are, are, uh, just permeate our culture. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, by relativism, I mean this. I mean the assumption that there is no such thing as absolutes. We know that goes on in our culture right now, right? No such thing as absolutes. What is true or right or good or beautiful for you may not be for me. Or if it's for me, it may not be for you. That's relativism. That's a worldview that I think is actually really bad. It's all relative. By subjectivism, this is what I mean today with subjectivism. I mean the assumption that in this relativistic atmosphere, I, or the subject, have the right to determine what is good and bad, right and wrong, true and false, beautiful and ugly for me without submitting my judgment to any objective reality or objective authority outside of myself. If I think it's good, it's good. I mean, we even have this subjectivism that we, you can decide what gender you are. It doesn't matter. If you, you, you identify a certain way, then, you, that, then it just is, right? That's subjectivism. This is the air that we breathe in America. Now, I realize by talking about this, this is a little, this creates some tension. But, you know, I don't want to ignore this. I mean, and pretend this isn't the environment that we live in. I mean, come on. All right. So it means that it's extremely unpopular 
today to take a strong stand on anything except tolerance. The claim that you know a truth that everybody should believe or that you know a behavior that everyone should avoid, that claim's enough to earn for you the name, you can spit them out, right? Racist, fascist, bigot, privileged. Now you're starting to meddle, Pastor Ben. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, I've... Come on, you you can't turn on the TV, you can't read any news, you can't engage in this culture that we live in and, and pretend like this isn't happening. Of course it is. If you declare a truth with confidence and make a case for it on the basis of objective evidences, in particular from the truth of God's word, and call on people with urgency to change their minds and to believe it, you're going to be viewed by a lot of people as arrogant and even dangerous. But if you avoid talking about truth or give the impression that truth is unattainable, and if you avoid words like should and ought and must, then you'll signal to people that there's no objective truth and there's no moral absolutes, and then people are going to see you as humble. This is kind of a a movement of thinking that uh, permeates our young people and teenagers in particular. Confidence that you know some things that all people ought to believe is seen as the essence of arrogance today. On the other hand, a sense of uncertainty about what is true and about how you ought to live, accompanied by a kind of open-ended ethic and an absence of judgment on controversial issues is seen as the essence of humility. This is one of the primary ways today people that come from, a, I guess, a, a, the paradigm, of our recent paradigm of our culture, they listen in a certain way or they want to hear a certain way. So they gather teachers, they gather people that basically um, suit their own liking, suit their own liking. It's not easy to be called arrogant or dangerous. It feels good to be liked as humble and open and inoffensive, right? And there's there's this other thing um, that our culture stands on pretty hard. It's being politically correct, right? So you can think of a thousand things there that are offensive. And so the temptation to lose your theological moral nerve, it's tremendous. And the need for bravery, I think, is immense. Now, we're talking about the truth that is drawn out of the Scriptures, all right? Not just your opinions about whatever in our culture. But your, the truth, I think, shapes your views, okay? So it's important to know and understand the truth, so... Let's look at how Jesus encourages bravery just for a few minutes out of chapter 10 in these in verses 24 through 31. The main drive, the main focus of the text is plain because there's three commands that are repeated, and I think you should underline those commands. These are right out of Jesus' mouth. He says these three things, and there are three times he says, do not fear. Do not fear. Verse 26, do not be afraid. 
Do not be afraid of them. Verse 28, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And then verse 31, do not be afraid. You are more valuable than many sparrows. So Jesus' point here is actually pretty clear. It's to overcome fear and instill bravery. That's what he wants. That's what I said, the red dot in the middle of the target. He wants us to be brave. But bravery, uh, brave to do what, right? The, um, the main point is sharpened. It's, it's focused. It's kind of laser focused, I think, in verse 27. Look at verse 27 for yourself. I mean, I could put it up here, but look for yourself. Because Jesus has something very specific in mind that, he's thre- that is threatened by fear and advanced by bravery. Verse 27, when I say to you in the dark, tell in the light and what is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the housetops, do not be afraid. That's really, really key. In other words, the real danger of fear in this passage is the fear to speak clearly in the light and openly from the housetops when that speaking might get you in trouble. Talking about Jesus. At the wrong time. So here is the point of the passage. Don't be afraid to speak clearly and openly about Jesus. And the things that Jesus has taught you, even if it costs you stuff. What could it cost you? Maybe your church. Maybe your job. Your friends. Your life in some way. Or to make it positive. Be fearless. Be fearless. And speak the truth of the scripture clearly and openly for everyone to hear, even if it's unpopular and dangerous. Now, people really need this truth. And I think that what I find is uh, you're not going to get shut down as much as you might think. But we sure are afraid we're going to. So I had some carpet installed in our house recently. And the guy comes over to install the carpets. And he's got his mask on and everything. And so I am. And I'm like, I'm not sure what to expect. How's he going to do all this? And I had talked to him on the phone and through text messages, mostly through text messages a couple of times. He wanted to come a little earlier. And I said, no, 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 uh, you can't come on that day. That is opening day of dove season. I'm going hunting. So he was like, oh, okay. So then when he gets there, this is so great. We just start talking because I said, you know, if you get hot, it's, you're the only one in the house. Just, you don't got to wear this, right? It's, he goes, well, that's really nice. And I said, okay. But it's just you. The house has been like completely disinfected and moved out and everything. And you're installing brand new carpet. So it's, it's just one guy. So we're standing there near my garage. And he says, he says so you hunt? And I said, yeah. So you, you got, I noticed you have a gun safe in the garage. You got guns? I said, yeah. He said, are you Trump supporter? (laughs) I'm like, "Uh, why? (laughs) He goes, oh, I don't know. He goes, I don't know what to do. I put out this Trump flag at my house and uh, I totally just... People came unglued, and he goes, I, I really wasn't, I'm not like, yeah, crazy or anything, but I had this Trump thing out there, and boy, the, they basically shredded it up and threw it in my driveway, and he goes, man, what am I supposed to do about that? So then we had this great conversation, and I never once said whether or not I was a Trump supporter to him, but 
Isn't it crazy? He just was kind of like testing the He just wanted to know, well, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act in this environment? He goes, I really wasn't trying to do anything crazy. I wasn't like, ah, go vote for Trump. He goes, I don't know. It's just stuff, you know, everybody puts out their signs, and I was just doing the same thing. And I totally just received a big beat down over it. It seemed like, you know, what am I supposed to do? You're a pastor. It was so great. What I'm getting at is that, look, there's more opportunity than you think. People just want some answers. How are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to be? I never said you got to vote for anybody. Do you understand what I'm saying? I said, well, this is what I think Jesus uh, wants us to be as believers in Christ followers. What do we do? We had a great conversation. Right? Verse 27 is where the focus is. So the point here is don't be afraid to speak clearly and openly about Christ. I was pretty careful about other things, but when you ask me questions about Jesus, okay, let's go. I think you can do that all the time. So Jesus, he's all about fueling bravery. How does he do this? The rest of the text is a motivation. Five reasons are laid out, five truths right here, why you and I should have bravery to speak all that Jesus has taught you. That's all I did. He, you know, in, in the middle of what my point is, in the middle of a political kind of like charged kind of craziness where you're not quite sure what to say, and he wasn't even sure how to ask, we actually talked about Jesus. We didn't even talk about Trump really to speak of. I, I, I just think that you can steer a conversation like that very easily. Number one, here's what Jesus says, right? Because the, these motivations, the first one is... Um, uh, speaking about the popular parts, not just the unpopular parts, no matter what. Number one, you're connected to me, Jesus says. That's the number one motivation. You're con- what? When you, when you look at verse 26, that's where the truth is. That's where the power is, right? Fearlessness flows from what Jesus just said. So when you go back to verse 25, look at verse 25. If they've called you the head of the house, or if, they, if they've called the head of the house, Beelzebub, they've called him the devil. How much more will they defame the members of his household? They're calling me the devil, and you're connected to me. So yeah, they're calling you the devil. What does that mean? Don't be afraid of these people, he's saying. I think the sense is this. Jesus is saying, your mistreatment for speaking the truth clearly and openly, it's not something unexpected and accidental and random and meaningless, Right? It's just the way they treated me, and so it's a sign that you belong to me, man. Wear it like a badge. That's a sign you belong to me. You're part of my household. So don't be afraid of the names they call you. When they speak out plainly, those things connect you to me. He's not talking about politics. We're talking about Jesus. Number two, in the end, all the truth is going to be revealed in the end, right? That's great. Notice the word Four. Pay attention, underline that word for in the middle of verse 26. Do not be afraid of them for nothing is hidden that will not be revealed and nothing is secret that will not be made known. How does this help us overcome fear and be brave in the cause of truth? Well, it helps us by assuring us that the truth that we're speaking is going to win. The truth always wins. It'll be vindicated in the end. In the end... When Jesus returns, trust me, everything is going to be made straight. I don't, I don't like using that word, trust me. The truth says everything will be made straight. 
People might reject it now. They may call it the word of Beelzebub, the devil. They may throw it out. They may discount it. They may poo-poo it. They may try to bury it, hide it from the world, pretend that it doesn't exist. But Jesus says, be brave for the truth because in the end, all the truth will be revealed, all reality will be un uncovered. And those who speak it with clarity and openness will be vindicated. Don't be afraid. Uh, gives me confidence. Hey, here comes the third motivation here. Don't fear what man can do to you. Now, this one's harder to swallow, but Jesus says, don't be afraid. You can only be killed. Verse 28, right? Don't be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. So in other words, the worst thing that your opponents can do to you when you speak the truth is to kill your body. And that leaves the soul untouched and happy in God. Forever and ever, by the way. But if you keep silent, here's the part that you should focus on. If you keep silent, if you leave the path of truth and you fall in love with the praises of men, you could lose your soul. That's what's at stake. And that's what you should be afraid of. But don't fear what man can do. All he can do is send your soul to heaven. Only Jesus could get away with saying it like that. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be with me. Number four, God's not disinterested in you or unfamiliar with your situation. His head's not turned out to say that. Don't fear to speak the truth, but be brave. Speak it clear, openly, because God's paying close attention. He sees it all. He knows it all. Verse 30 means at least that much. Verse 30, even all the hairs on your head are numbered. So think about that. Some are easier to number than others. In other words, the suffering you may face in speaking the truth is not because God is disinterested or doesn't get, doesn't understand, right? Don't fear. He's close. He's interested. He's, he cares. He's, be brave. Speak the truth, whatever happens. He knows. He knows about those little stuff. He knows about the big stuff. Number five, no harm will come to you except what God decides. So don't be afraid because your father is not going to let anything happen. In particular, he's not going to let anything happen to you apart from his will. He's in control of all of this. He's in control of this pandemic, our economy, and the election. <laughs> our government, our, what, our school district, our, all, all these things. He's in control of all of this, our church, right? And so don't be afraid. The logic of Jesus is plain and awesome. Verse 31, you're more valuable than sparrows. Verse 29, not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. The bravery conclusion then is no harm's going to come to you except what God mercifully decides. He'll decide. He'll decide. I had uh, somebody in their 80s just recently, we we're talking about the pandemic, we we're talking about being safe, we we're talking about being smart and wise. They were kind of fearful about coming to church, and then uh, I hadn't seen him in a long time. They showed up just recently, and I'm not going to tell you who it is, but I, it, was, it was really great. I said, oh, what's changed your mind? What's going on? 
I, I just was praying and, um, you know, and the Lord just started really speaking to me. And you know what? If I die, I die. <laughs> like, oh, that sounds great. I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready. What am I worried about? I'm ready. He's in charge of when I'm going to go, not me. That's what they were saying. I got faith that he's in control. Now, you know, let's not be crazy, but okay. What does this have to do with me? Well, number one, don't surrender to the spirit of the age. Man, there's a lot going on, and if you're not careful, you can get caught up. If you spend too much time on social media, if you watch too much news, if you're not careful, you can get caught up in the spirit of the age, and then you're making decisions not based on the truth, but based on whatever's going on out there. And, and I'm sure there's really great, smart scientists that know everything. You know, I, I, it's, but they're just as inconsistent as anybody else. And then you can go, oh, in, in this country, in this school district, in this church, in this way. You know, come on. Don't surrender to the spirit of the age. We follow the truth, the truth of God's word. He has a mission, God has a mission and a mandate for us to explain Jesus, remember, to present the gospel, to make disciples. We swear allegiance to the king, and now we take on his mission. This is our purpose. Don't surrender to the spirit of the age. Number two, love the truth. So if you're, um, if you're not connected to God's word, how can you know any truth? And you're just going to make up the truth. And then this relativism and the subjectivism, that's going to drive you, and it should be the truth of God's word and the gospel. If it's not about that, it's not about anything. It's Jesus plus nothing. Love the truth. Spend time in the truth. You cannot separate Christ follow, uh, separate a Christ follower from the truth, or you're really not a Christ follower. You're just pretending. Number three, what you learn about Jesus in private, away from the public, speak in the light. So we spend time in the truth and learning and studying and everything, but all of us are going to walk across the bridge, and then we're going to engage on Monday in all kinds of things. You're going to be going back to school. You're going to be doing all kinds of stuff, right? You're going to be re-engaging what you learn about Jesus in private, away from public, speak in the light, and be encouraging, be motivating, talk about Jesus. I mean, this guy was talking about all the terrible things about his Trump flag that got shredded, and all I said was, well, let's just see what, you know, I don't know, let's, let's handle this like Jesus would handle this. Pick up the pieces, get rid of that stuff. Maybe you don't put that out in the front yard anymore, but uh, love, love on these folks too. People only do that because they're driven by something else. You should be driven by Jesus. Number four, what you hear in the scriptures proclaim from the housetop. So top of your house is a good way to get everybody's attention. It's, it's, I, last week, we talked about the things that God wants us to do are pretty radical, actually. Being a Christ follower is radical. I mean, shout it from your housetop. That's like, that sounds kind of crazy, but that's the point. Everybody should know who you belong to, who you swear allegiance to. That's our mission and our mandate. Don't be afraid of that. He said, he said three times, don't be afraid. You got to shout it from a really high place. Sounds radical and crazy. He said it, not me. And don't fear the face of anyone. Don't fear the face of any. Regarding Jesus, 
and explaining Jesus and who you are, who you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to do and how the gospel has transformed and changed you from the inside out. He's redeemed you. He's recycled you. He's made you new. Why would you be afraid of that? Everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to know. Bow your head with me. Thank you, God, for making a way through your son, Jesus. I have tremendous confidence, Lord God, when I know my mission and my mandate. I understand my purpose. Now help me not to fear, Lord, and to be bold and explain and utilize all the opportunities we can to explain who Jesus is. It's clear that that's the truth in the text that you want us to hear. What does this have to do with me? Help us to be fearless, fearless Christ followers, a fearless church in a time where there's a lot of fear and, a com- and confusion. People need answers. Utilize us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Vail Christian Church Podcast. Join us again next week as we continue in the book of Matthew. If you have any questions, would like more information about our church, or would like to see the video cast of this message, please visit our website at www.vailchristian.com.